So welcome along to A Story to Tell with me, Richard Bovelson. This is mainly taken from my radio bar show every Thursday morning from 10 until 12. If you do like it, don't forget to subscribe, share it to others and let everyone know all about Radio Bath. Hope you enjoy it. There's Adventures of a Lifetime by Coldplay. I'm still sounding husky. It's very strange when you listen to yourself in your headphones and you kind of think, oh, how am I sounding at the moment? Anyway, today on A Story to Tell, we're going to chat to him very shortly. Got an amazing guest. Pavel Douglas has come in. Uh, he's an actor. He's been around the scene for 50 years. He looks annoyingly good for it as well. He's sat opposite me at the moment and uh, we're going to chat to him very, very shortly. If you have any questions for Pavel, uh, then text Bath followed by your message to 80011 or you can email the studio at studio at radiobath.com. He's here right until 12 o'clock. Got loads and loads of stuff to chat about. So, uh, yeah, Pavel Douglas coming up very, very shortly. There's Sam Fender, Noah Khan, and that's Homesick. So, today on A Story to Tell, I have the amazing Pavel Douglas. Good morning, Pavel. Good morning. I like the amazing bit. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) He's been an actor for over 50 years now, ranging from GoldenEye to Lovejoy to Hobby City. And more importantly, I'll show my daughter in bed. She's eight. Mm -hmm. I was more importantly showing her... Big ears. Big ears, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah lots, lots of little children, including my grandchildren, are growing up with them. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, you funny little noddy. <laughs> <laughs> and you're responsible for Dem Watts not being with us anymore. Well, yeah, yeah, yes and no, you see, because he, he, the first time, he should have just gone, but then he came back. 14 years later, he walked into the, into the square yeah. as if nothing had happened, you know, what twinkle, and... Um, uh, it was an odd one that was. It was like you know, EastEnders was rewritten, rewritten to suit ratings almost. I think. Yeah. Because um, uh, we had him definitely. I mean, you know, you heard the bang, you heard the splash. When yeah. he fell in the, if I if I maybe done it myself, if I pulled the trigger myself, I could have pulled it several times. You know. But <laughs> you he, didn't. No, I didn't. I no, I had it. I had him done rather than doing it myself. So. Yeah. And then he came back to life. They um, do that. Yeah. It's a bit like um, Bobby Ewing in the shower, isn't exactly, it? It's yeah. that moment it's of that they, moment. they don't really want to kill off the character. No, no. So Could they bring them back. Bring them back. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. There we go. So tell us, Pavel, we've mentioned a few of the different roles that you've been in. So it's 50 years. Yeah. That's a long time to be in the business. It is. How, how has it kind of changed in that time then? How it's changed? Yeah. Um, um, it's, well, it's changed technically, obviously, because as, as has radio. I mean, everything, you know, the technology is as modernized itself um otherwise it hasn't changed the the, the bonhomie is the same the, the the work ethic is the same everybody what is difficult now is i think even though there appears to be an awful lot more work out there right. because there are so many channels and streaming channels and so many you know there are exponentially as many actors Right. <laughs> you know. So uh, there are just as many people. I mean, if I were a drama student today, leaving drama school, I'd, I'd, I'd feel a bit overawed by it all, really, considering just how, how many people come out of drama school every year. Hundreds pour out into the industry. Yeah. So it either becomes a young person's industry or, or, and, and older people get elbowed out. Or if you're lucky enough to have sustained it for as many years <laughs> as I have, you end up just playing older and older parts. You know. well, I was going to ask that question. So I, I remember, can't remember which actress it was, but she said she remembers the day when she went from playing the daughter in a programme mm-hmm. to the mother mm-hmm. in a programme, and she found that transition really hard. Well, Michael Caine tells the same story, that he was received a script, and he's reading the script, and he's going, 
he phoned up the producer goes I, I, I really don't see myself as no 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 Michael you're not the lead in this one you're the lead's father <laughs> ah, that must be kind of a weird moment where you're like I'm not the the be all and end all yeah. anymore yeah well it's like life isn't it a little bit yeah yeah we were just chatting off air that you know you're a normal person apparently apparently yes apparently <laughs> so and, apparently, and mostly invisible when i'm out in the in the real world funnily enough yeah i was gonna say lots of people would know who lots of people are mm. and your voice is you know not, needless to say being a voiceover artist as well you've yeah. got an incredible voice um and lots of people would know as soon as you did the the big ears impression yeah. can you do it again for us just for Oh, you funny little noddy. <laughs> See, everybody that's a child of a certain era will yeah. go, oh, recognise <laughs> recognize that. But of course, we never get to see who you actually are. So uh, what made you start in acting then? Um, many things, funnily enough. I'm a third generation actor. Right. On both sides of my family. Um, my, my mother was an actress and, my, and her father was, was an actor. He was a, a, a producer in the West End between the wars. He was John Gilgood's first uh, director. Used to say, though, that man, you know, can't walk across the stage without falling over his feet. And um, uh, although I, I admired my grandfather to a degree, I, I, I didn't love him very much. He was a, not, not a very nice man. Oh. And I can say that now. He's, he's, he's well and truly behind us. Um, but he was a very good actor, apparently. And my mother became an actress, and then she, uh, after the war, she went to Poland to do her bit, because she hadn't, you know, she was too young, and she'd lost her mum in the war, and she, she went to Poland to do her bit, um, and found Warsaw in a terrible condition, you know, but, and then lived there, met my father, they fell in love, etc., etc., and he became quite a star in Poland. I mean, okay. He was, I mean, he, he was the John Wayne of Poland in his day. Right. Which was fantastic. Um, and so it was in my blood. Um... And it's, when I was a boy, that's, I was just fascinated by it all. And then I got a part as a stable boy in, in a thing called the Highland Jaunt about um, Boswell and his trip to Scotland. Okay. Um, and I was bitten. That was it, you know. Uh, the headmaster at the time told my mother, oh, it mustn't happen again. You know, he needs to be in the school every day. You can't have him going off doing things. Despite now, the fact... I can I just say your Scottish accent is way better than mine? So uh, <laughs> one of my one of my favourite people in the world, a lady called Dot, she's yep. Scottish, and whenever we talk, I tr I try and do a Scottish accent, and she always makes the joke that I'm doing an impression of a Scottish accent. Right. Whereas that that just sounded Scottish. Like, where have you been lived there? No, I mean, like I can. It depends which part of Scotland you want, you know. And go well into Glasgow, or do it a wee bit more Edinburgh like that. Which is more <laughs> pianos and kippers, as they say in Edinburgh. <laughs> I'm not going to get you to do impressions all day, but I'm okay. just enjoying chatting to you. So, okay. But please carry on. <laughs> so what happened then? Oh, yeah, so yeah, though. Uh, and then uh, then I became an, an acting ASM uh, at the Travers Theatre in Edinburgh. So I was at school in Edinburgh. What's an ASM? Assistant Stage Manager. Right. Um, that's where you... That's the, the, the bottom layer, if you like, in the, in the theatre world, uh, where you make the tea and sweep the stage and, and help make props. And, and then eventually you become a DSM, which is Deputy Stage Manager, then an SM... Then a production manager. If you you know, I've done all that because yeah. it's it's really important that you. I've always said that all actors should do every job in the theatre, really. So yeah. you understand, especially if you're going to go to do directing eventually, hmm. you understand the entire uh, in, industry, entire the entire process of getting a, a play off the page yep. and in front of an audience. I mean, certainly for my dance business, hmm. I've done every role that's in my entire business so whenever any of my crew come up to me saying i need help in whatever it may yeah, be yeah. i theoretically should know the answer yeah. or i can at least empathize with what they're going through so that's absolutely a really important thing that you are able to do everything yeah 
which yeah. I think is quite critical. And also then you learn to respect everybody else's job. Mm. Particularly, I mean, I, I, I work with some actors sometimes, you know, about costume. Here's a good one. I was, I was in uh, Thames Television. I worked up my way up from a dresser to assistant wardrobe master. Okay. So I knew the whole business of costume because it it's part of what we do is how you, how you look. Hmm. So you, un, you have to understand costume. You have to understand how, it's, how to dress it and how to, it's particularly uh, mater, uh, military stuff. Um, so many actors who just, you know, throw their, 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 their stinky shirt and, and socks inside out on the floor and walk out the dressing room and leave somebody else to pick it up. Yeah. When you've been that person that picks it up, you don't do that for other people. You hang yeah. it up. You turn your socks the right way around and tuck them in your shoes or whatever. Absolutely. So that when they come together, all the costumes from all the dressing rooms or all the, all the trailers on a film set or whatever, they don't mm. spend hours you know rummaging around after yeah. you they can just go in there pick up your stuff say thank you very much and, and gone and they their job is made easier so yeah. you have to think about everybody's job don't so you? how do you feel today about not being in character so you are here as pavel douglas yeah. today a very uh, strangely nervous okay because exactly that i'm normally and that's why people don't recognize me because i'm i'm i try to be as chameleonic as possible i mean mm. those people who know me in bath from natural theater days you know all so many characters yeah, and you really get into the character to to become your to just be here as, as myself is a bit weird. You know, I don't they, know why. I'm you did it. the bath breakfast for us recently, the, as in the uh, breakfast meeting which we hold yeah. once a month, and you were the main speaker in that, and yeah. uh, and got rave reviews. If I'm honest with you, everybody came back saying how amazing you were. Um, and again, that must have been quite a strange experience for it you was. standing up there, Someone, particularly standing up talking about yourself. Yeah, I don't mind standing up talking about other things. I mean, I'm very used to that talking about yourself it's a bit odd and i'm sure that it shouldn't be because you see people on you know on graham norton show whatever and they you know just very relaxed talking about themselves and their but careers. what they're doing is they're doing the classic anecdotes aren't they yeah. graham sets them up they've pre-recorded effect well, not pre-recorded they've pre-worked out graham's going to ask this okay. pre-agreed question about this funny story that you're going to right, tell right, and right. then you can rehearse that story so they're kind of still acting in some way gotcha. whereas you don't know the questions i'm going to ask no. and, and i know that because i don't know the questions <laughs> i'm going to ask you <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea where this is going. Okay. So it's just kind of a, a natural conversation yeah. as two chaps ta talking. And that two must chaps. be kind of weird. It is, but I mean, you, you know, you've had experience in radio. I've had mm. a lot of experience in radio. So two, uh, two chaps talking, we are just doing that. The, the microphones just happen to be here. Yeah. Um, I remember Terry Wogan saying that his, his success in, in radio was being able to talk to one person. Mm. That was the, very interesting when yeah. you think about that. Gosh, you know, maybe you've got a million people listening to you, but if you think that you're actually just talking to one person, so I'm talking to you now, but yep. in fact, I'm talking to your lovely listeners as well. Mm. Yeah, and but that literally is a scenario, isn't it? Because mm. every single person is listening by themselves, mm -hmm. so you are only ever talking to one person. So, going back to being on set and stuff, mm. how, how is it being with the other actors then? Have you had those scenarios where? Because not everybody gets on. You look at a football team, not everybody gets on. Yeah. And that's inevitably whatever you're going to do. Um, on a film set, how is kind of like those scenarios for you? It can be a clash of personalities or, or a clash of egos. Yeah. Put it that way. Um, uh, generally speaking, particularly English actors, I've, I've just a, a dream to work with. You know, everybody, everyone's there. And you realise that the, 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 the entire uh, crew is there to make you look fabulous. Right. And sound fabulous and be fabulous. Um, occasionally you will get uh, an actor who is, whose ego is, is too big. And uh, there are clashes. But generally speaking, not. No? It, no, it's, it's, a, it's a very good industry for that. You know, yeah. people do get on. Um, and 
you know, you're, the, the, the adage is you're only as good as the actor you're working with. Right. So you get on set, and the first thing that you do, particularly these days, everything is done wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. There's, there's very little time for rehearsals, like in the theatre. Mm. You don't rehearse. No. So you run the lines. You know, and the first thing you'll do is, even in makeup, if you happen to be sitting next to your, your co-star or the, the actor who happens to be in the scene with you that day, you will run the scene while you're being made up. It's just, okay. And then you, you work on it. And you say, oh, well, well, what do you think about that? And what, do you, what do you think about the thoughts that were in, in my head when yeah. I said that to you and, and stuff like that? Just like you do in real life, really. Yeah. Um, I've very rarely had clashes with, 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 with actors. Sometimes the egos get in, in the way that, particularly uh, anyone who's done Hollywood stuff. I've done a lot of work with, with Hollywood actors in the hmm. past. Um, and you, you, you do what's, rever- what's called reverses. You know, when the camera's on you, um, somebody is behind the camera, your other actor, giving you the lines. Okay. Okay. Um, and similarly, you do the, the re- reverse reverse on that, and the camera's on them, and you're there for their what's called the eye line, so they have someone to look at yeah. and uh, talk to. But I have uh, worked with American, well, actresses, I should say, more than actors, who uh, refuse to come out to do their reverses. Oh, wow. they, you know, and so end up, you end up acting to a little bit of um, tape uh, on a pole or next to the camera, and that's the eye line, and somebody else reads in the lines for you. I you can know. literally see you going back there now. Yes, I do. <laughs> Your eyes drifted off, and you're like, I'm, I'm not going to ask who that person no, was. No, 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 I, I wouldn't think tell that you. Would, I think that would be unfair. Um, but I could literally see you going back, and I'm guessing it was a while ago. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to have a little break for music. Um, we're going to find out so much more about you, Pavel, when we come back. There's loads to find out. We're going to talk in great depth about the theatre, GoldenEye, loads of different bits okay. and pieces as well. If you do have any questions for Pavel, studio at radiobath.com or you can text bath followed by a message to 80011 Hope when you take that jump you don't feel the fall Hope when the water rises you build a wall Crowd screams out, screaming your name. Hope if everybody runs, you choose to stay. Right, so it's back. It's Rich Bovson here until midday today. Here with the amazing Pavel Douglas. I've he keeps saying amazing. Amazing. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think you're great. Well, thank you. That's great. That makes me feel great. <laughs> now, we're going to talk very briefly about if somebody wanted to get into yeah. acting, yeah. you've been in the business a long, long time. Mm-hmm. What is the best method? So if I wanted to become an actor at the age I'm 49 now, turn 50 this year, mm-hmm. and I think to myself, hey, I want to get into acting or voiceover or whatever it may be, what, what advice would you give? Do you want to get into it professionally or do you want to just get into it to do it? Oh, I'd love to do it professionally. Professionally, yeah. okay. Well, the, the, you know, there are, there are many pitfalls and, and, and there are avenues of, of, of going down to, to do that. Um, obviously, when you're younger, it's, it's, you come out of school, you have a couple of... I mean, I, when I went to, to do drama school, um, they kept turning me away because I was too young. Right. They said, go away and have a couple of years' life first and then come, and come back to us, which was a very interesting thing to say. Yeah. Um, because you know you come out of of school you you haven't have really very much experience you know in 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 get, well you might have had your head kicked in in the playground or you might have had your first kiss or you might have had your first cigarette around the back of the, the bike sheds or whatever but 
the experience is very short. Yeah. So go out and, and let you know wait tables or you know work behind a bar or something. You know meet people and then and then and then build an idea of what society is about so that you can reflect it. Okay. Um, so, but most people do that and they go and then they go to drama school for three years and they come out and then they're unemployed for for quite a long time. Hmm. Um, you could join uh, your uh, a, a local community theatre group uh, to cut your teeth really and and to practice. Yep. Uh, where well, it doesn't matter where you fail. It's the interesting about drama school, you, you, you get given parts. It doesn't matter if you fail in them. The whole point of failing is that you learn. Yeah. If everything's perfect, then you don't learn anything. You Absolutely. Know. Um, some people just have the luck of the, of, of the devil, you know, and they step into something really interesting. They're seen, and then the next thing, they're in something else, and they're in something else, and they're in something else. But really, you have to do the groundwork first. I think you have to, you know, theatre, yep. obviously. Um, uh even improv theatre, you know, get, inv- get involved. F- find out what's going on in your neighbourhood. See, see if someone's putting anything together. Some, if someone's got a stand-up club that they want to put together, you know, go and tr- try something out. Yeah. You know, um, face the fear and do it anyway or whatever. I've recently done um, some more stand-up again. I haven't done it for years and As years. in comedy stand-up? It's comedy stand-up. Okay. Because um, everybody says, so I, I looked at doing that yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Um, let's do it as a good friend of mine. And, and then COVID hit and we just haven't ever quite got back to doing it. Um but everybody says it's the most scary thing in the world, standing up there by yourself. It is. So, the slightly more scary thing, I have to say, is doing a one-man show. Right. By yourself. Why is that, then? Because you're on your own on stage for an hour. There's no one there to pick you up if you fall. <laughs> <laughs> the only experience I have of that, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm a dance teacher, and we teach partner dancing. Right. And many, many years ago, so I'm on stage most nights and I'm quite used to being on stage and that's not a problem for me. I'm on microphone, you know, 100 people in the class, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And it's, that's all fine. Um, one, for some crazy reason, I thought it'd be a really interesting one at the beginning of a class night to say, right, let's all learn how to do kind of nightclub dancing of big fish, little fish, cardboard box right. type thing <laughs> and dunking the basketball and yeah. all this type of thing. And I was on stage by myself. And I've never felt so alone. Right. Even though you're there with everybody. Yeah. And it, still to this day, it haunts me. <laughs> I'm never doing it again. I'm always going to be on stage with somebody else. <laughs> always. Always. So an hour being on stage by mm. yourself. I presume you have like a, a not necessarily a script, but a, a plan of what you're going to do for that hour, though. Oh, what, if you're, you're, well, certainly if you're doing a one-man show, you've, re- you've rehearsed it and it's, yeah. it's very scripted, yeah. Um, doing stand-up is a different thing altogether because you're relying on the moment hmm. um, and sometimes the pre-prepared material goes out the window because of what happens in the room. Yeah. So you've got to be prepared for that. And then, then you can get lost. Hmm. Suddenly you go, oh, damn, where, where am, am I? I? You know, what's, and your head is completely blank because there's nothing in it at all. Yeah. So you try, you try and stick to the material if you can, you know, particularly in t- unless you're really experienced. Yeah. You watch really, really experienced people. They just, oh. It's just fluid, isn't it? It's absolutely fluid. I, I study comedians quite a lot because I, I do teach training as well. Mm-hmm. So I train the new teachers how to do it. And, you know, as much as we're not comedians on stage, there's a lot of presentation skills that comedians have which are incredible. Um, one of the people I think that does it the best is Michael McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a, uh, a sketch which I've, I've shown many, many times of, of people in a room that all have the same name so sarah and sarah mm-hmm. sarah with an h sarah without an h and jeff or geoff <laughs> and and he goes around but you can see him picturing this room mm-hmm. of people that are sat next to each other that are couples mm-hmm. but the preparation for that two and a half minutes that would have gone into it is just phenomenal 
Indeed. It really is. So, Well, Morecambe and Wise were the most famous oh. ones for rehearsing. They would rehearse. And I cannot stress to anyone who wants to be an actor, you have to put the work in. Yeah. You can't just think, oh, I'll just get up there and be marvellous. No. You know, or I'll be, get up there and be funny, or I'll get up there and make people cry. It doesn't work like that. You actually have to do the groundwork. And my favourite phrase that I, I hear from lots of people is, I'll be all right when I'm on stage. I'm like, no, no. you won't. <laughs> no, you Whatever won't. rubbish you're doing in rehearsal, that's what you're going to do on stage. Yeah. Um, so what type of stand-up are you then? Is it like long jokes or is it stories? No, not where, long. Where, where not, are you? Not, I'd, pff, what type? I've yeah. never even considered what type of comedian. I'd, um I think that uh, it's a bit political. Okay. Um, it's a bit um, observational, but not without without being too observational. But it's just I'm, what I'm doing now because I've reached a certain age. Mm. You know, that 21. I, eh? 21. <laughs> 21. Yeah, times three. Um, uh, of talking about stuff that I see as my age now. You okay. Know? Some of the bizarre things that happen in the world, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I find influencers really, really amusing, the, this current trend of influencing. Hmm. We're all influencers. I mean, you could be sitting there, I'm going, you know, Richard, that's a really nice shirt, and yeah. I'll go out this afternoon and buy one. Yeah. So you've influenced me. Yeah. So you're an influencer. But people who set themselves up to be influencers. And the, the one that really got me recently, there's, apparently we've all been straining spaghetti wrongly out of the pan. Oh, go on, tell me why. Well... Normal people, you put the colander yeah. okay, into another larger pan or into the sink and yeah. you gently pour the hot water and all the spaghetti into it and it drains and then you put it back in the pan. Okay. Yeah. I, I made spaghetti no. last night okay. and apparently, I did that Apparently that's the wrong way of doing it. Tell me the right way of doing it, Pavel okay. Douglas. Accor- according to the influencers I've seen on Instagram, <laughs> you put the colander into the pan. Okay. Right. The, the, that's the, that's the, 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 the bulbous do, part. The bulbous part, right. down into the pan. And then you turn the whole thing upside down. Okay. Okay. So you end up with boiling water, steam, and spaghetti flying all over your kitchen. Okay. And you still have to rinse the colander out. I, I just don't understand it. I'll be honest, I don't understand it either. No. Um, the only other chance I would have of doing it is we have one of those lids that has the perforated holes in the lids. Yeah. And that works as well. But it's slow, but it works. It's, yeah, it's really slow. Um, but yeah, I don't get that at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally imagining that last night, yeah. tipping that over my sink. It, as you say, it would have yeah. just gone everywhere. Everywhere. So, But that's, you know, so that's what the influencers are telling us that we should be doing. Well, the influencers <laughs> obviously are correct in all Absolutely. ways of course. that uh, they can possibly be made. Um, you're part of the uh, table read team for the London Screenwriters I Festival. I was. It, it, oh, it, it, well, the, the London Screenwriters Festival it has, seems to have, have taken a back seat, particularly okay. uh, the last few years with COVID and one thing or another, because mm. it relied on everyone descending. Uh, we, we used to do it up at, in Regent's Park at the University of London. They have a campus there. Tell us what it's all about, though, or it's, what it was all it's about. It's about new writing, for, uh, new writing uh, for uh, TV and cinema, not for theatre. Um, and people come, and there there are lectures from well-known directors from all over the world who come, talk about script writing, talk about how the, how to get from script to screen. Um, people are taught how to pitch their their ideas. You have, for example, you have a, a, a thing called the lift pitch, where mm. you, you imagine that you are in a lift going between floors, and you've only got what thirty seconds or two minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It depends how many floors you're going up to tell somebody your idea. So they, they, they do that. And they also um, have this, what's called the actor's table read, where you get actors and directors into groups. Uh, I think we had about 10 rooms all, right. all, all, in, all on one floor. And the writers come in with their, with their 
sides, as they're called, not the whole script, because we haven't got time for that, not even the whole scene or the whole whatever, yeah. but maybe three or four pages. And they'll come in that, and we'll be each uh, allocated a part, we'll have a few minutes to read it, then we'll perform it in right. front of the director, the chosen director, and the writer who's come in. Then the, the, the director will speak to the writer and say, well, what did you think of that? You know, hmm. and, they'll, and they'll suddenly, for the first time, having real li living people speaking their words, they'll yeah. realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. I should have written it that. Oh, oh, I see. And so many writers write, um, they write um, uh, characterizations for the actor. You know, he looked out of the window angrily. Yeah. Well, there's no need for that. You know, the actor will know if it's an angry scene. He will know that he looks out of the window. He's not going to look out yeah. the window laughingly. You no. know, um, so c cut out all the descriptive stuff in your script. Just, just really get down to the, the nitty gritty. Okay. So, and we can, we can. At the end of a day, we we have done. You know, uh, a, you know, a scene every half hour. Wow. Uh, you know, break break half an hour for lunch and then go back in and do. Some, but it's great because you get to play so many different people. Yeah. You know. And has anything ever come of that? Has, have you kind yep. of looked at something and gone, oh, that was amazing, and then all of a sudden it's there? Uh, I, I haven't personally, but it has happened, sure. Yeah. You know, that uh, a script has really been picked up. Yeah. Um, or that writer has learned their lessons uh, there and have gone off and done more work on it and, and uh, sold it in a different way. Yeah. You know, so yes, it, it's, it's, they, 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 I mean, London Script Writers Festival is not the only one. There are many others around. Yeah. Now, talking about writing, biggest segue in the mm. world, uh, you <laughs> wrote a novel. I in, did. In lockdown, didn't you? Tell in us about lockdown. that. Do you know, if, if you are an artist or if you are a, a, a performer or, 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 or creative at all, you have to keep doing it mm. because you, otherwise you go bonkers. Um, and then suddenly when COVID arrived, my industry, I mean, everyone's industry, but my industry just stopped. Yep. Because my industry relies on people coming together and doing stuff together, and of course we couldn't. Um, apart from watching TV and you know watching uh, all the all the streaming channels, which everyone did, yeah. and some people go, "Well, what's the point of, of actors?" And then the first thing they do when they're locked in is watch actors. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, was, I found myself without work, which was uh, apart from uh, you know the, the the financial aspect of it was dreadful, but yeah. just sitting on my hands, not doing anything. I, I was doing stuff remotely doing play readings over, with, over Zoom with other actors just to keep our brains going. And did you ever wear trousers or is it just oh, no, no, you waist yeah. <laughs> I did many meetings in tracksuit bottoms and a shirt. <laughs> so, uh, I, and one night, I, I, I know I've mentioned, this is the second time I've mentioned it, but Graham Norton, but I, I had a dream that I was on the Graham Norton show. Hmm. And Graham was very excited, very excited. I've got the latest book from Pavel. It's great. I've, oh, I, you've got to buy it. You've got to buy it. And then he reads, he reads the first uh, chapter, which is only, actually, and it ended up being a page long, the first right. chapter, introductory Can chapter. Can I just say very quickly, another great impression. Graham Norton, you nailed that one as well. <laughs> so Scottish and Graham Norton. I'm going back to Joey from Friends when somebody says he can speak French. You're like, oh, I'm adding that to my resume. <laughs> anyway, you can do a Graham Norton impression okay. too. Please carry on. Um, so I, and I, I woke up and my wife said, are you all right? And I went, I, I just had this extraordinary dream that I was on the Graham Norton show. And? Well, I'd written, apparently I'd written a book, and he, he read out the first um, chapter. She said, can you remember what it was about? And I did. I remembered every single wow. comma of that first page. And so she said, well, you better write it then. So I got up and I wrote the first chapter. Yeah. And it just poured out. And, and uh, it just kept pouring out. Yeah. 
100,000 words in the end. And I've been told I need to cut some, some up. Some of it out. it needs editing. It needs editing, yeah. <laughs> and every single chapter we were talking off air mm. isn't a normal chapter name, is it? No. Uh, the, the, the book is uh, called Medusa Muse. It's set in uh, a made-up corner of, of sort of Notting Hill, Maida Vale, in 1969. Right. Yeah. They say you should write about what you know. So I wrote about sex and drugs and rock and roll. Why wouldn't you? you know, in, in 1969. And 1969 was, for me, the, the end of the best decade for music. I mean, mm. it was an extraordinary decade for music. Um, and, and some of the stuff that came out in 69 was particularly, you know, we, you, mm -hmm. had, you had the long tracks. You know, yep. They weren't just EP tracks, they were LP tracks, or prog rock stuff, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so rather than give my chapters uh, a, a titles that pertain to the story, I've given them uh, a song. So each, each chapter has a song. And we're going to listen to one of those songs now. So okay. chapter five, chapter do you remember what, it's, what the song was? Uh, Penny Lane? It was Penny Lane. It so was Penny Lane. There you go, well remembered. So here's Penny Lane by the Beatles, chapter five of Powell Douglas's book. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every head he's had the pleasure to know And all the people that come and go Stop and say hello On the corner is a bank of a motorcar OK, it's Richard Bowson here until midday today with Pavel Douglas, actor, stand-up I'm going to put that in there now as well <laughs> And yeah, comedian and voiceover. Can I just artist? say something to your, oh, to your listeners, though? Go on, um, dear, dear listeners. You're obviously very used to to this show, but how many of you actually know what Richard Beauvoisin means? Hmm? Go on, then. Beauvoisin. Beauvoisin. You say it so nicely as well. It means a handsome neighbour, and he is. He is a handsome neighbour. Wow. Uh, he's not my neighbour, but he, right now he is because we're just <laughs> across the, the the microphones from each other. But Beauvoisin. Handsome neighbour. Handsome neighbour. There well. you go. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I have nothing to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. Uh, he's not even blushing. You know. No, <clears throat> I'm aware I'm not the ugliest person in the world. <laughs> I'll go down that route. Um, but uh, yeah, as like yourself, you know, when you're kind of in the public eye, as I am regarding my dancing yeah. side of things, you kind of have to look after yourself to some degree to make sure that you, when you leave the house, because you never know who you're going to come no, across. True. Um, and people then recognise you and you go, oh, hi. I, made a, uh, I don't do resolutions, but I th thought this year, because I needed a, I needed a pick-up, hmm. I would not wear all my old mungy clothes anymore. Okay. You know, I mean, you do, obviously, if you've got a garden, if you're gardening or working yeah. on the car or whatever, whatever. But generally speaking, if you're going to go out, present yourself as you would like to be seen. You know, it's too easy, isn't it, to actually just put on some sloppy joes and go out and stuff. But, yeah. 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 Take, no, pr take pride. Do you know what? I think that's a really nice thing to do. <clears> I'm, I'm going to go home <clears> after this and I'm going to look at my wardrobe and anything I think, you know, it's just average. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to bin. I have a we really weird scenario, actually, regarding my shirts. Okay, <clears> I don't know if you've ever done this or not. Okay, but... So I like to rotate my shirts because I'm on stage all the time and you don't right. always remember because you chuck things in the wash and you get them back out and you stick them up. up. You know, I've worn that shirt like five times <clears> in the last two weeks. So I have a scenario. So I have my shirts lined up. They're not ironed, but they are lined up. Um, if I take take it out of the washing um, pile, as mm -hmm. in it's being cleaned, I always pop it on the right-hand side. And then it moves its way up. And then it kind of okay. constantinas along, you see. Good, so I good. rotate my clothes around. wish my T-shirts were the same, but there we go. It's a different <laughs> matter altogether. Um, right, we're going to talk about the industry again a yep. little bit longer. So we're sp speaking off air about COVID and how difficult that can be for actors, and certainly in the dance industry, mm. that's very difficult as well. Um, 
But how do you deal with the fact of you're not always going to be in employment? Uh, with a mixture of, of, of sometimes relief and, and mostly trepidation because we, we, we live to pay the bills, don't we? Do we yeah. not? Sadly, sadly, not all of us become superstars that don't have to worry about that. So you are always thinking about, you know, you're always thinking about the next job, you know. Um, and as an actor, you're always pitching, constantly pitching. It's an extraordinary thing. You'd think that even if you were well-known, and I have a reasonable CV yeah. you know, uh, uh, of, of, of stuff that I've done, but there are, the, the competition is so sti- strict and so stiff, rather, that you're up against other people. And it, it's not a question of whether you're good or not. It's whether your nose is the right shape, whether your hair is the right color, whether you're too short, too small, too fat, too thin. Yeah. Um, th- those are the decisions made by, by casting agents and directors. Casting directors, forgive me, and directors. Um, so you're never really sure where the next uh, paycheck's coming from. Yeah, and there can be long gaps in between. So you find most actors, most actors have uh, what's called a side hustle. Okay, you know whether they become a celebrant or whether they w- work in a shop or whether. But you you need a job. Obviously, you need need a job where your employer understands that you may need to just drop it at a moment's notice and go yeah. off. For example, I didn't know that today that I need to be in London at uh, this afternoon, early this afternoon, and I'd already uh, agreed to come in here. So you you have to juggle things around, you know. Um, but I will be up to London, and I will be uh, at, at a casting, and I may or may not get the job, depending on many, many factors, not, yeah. not whether I'm any good at all. That's, that seems to be one of the, the least uh, uh, important things. Well, they've seen you before. They know who you are. So you have that advantage, but at the same time, mm. as you say, are you right for that role? Yeah, exactly. And that, that must be the most difficult part. So I'm guessing... But, for example, now, now they, you, know, you get into the father role rather than into the, mm. the, the lead character or whatever. Um, they've got to make sure that you resemble your leading man. Of course. You know? I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be Tom Cruise's dad necessarily. I don't look anything like him. No. You know. No, you're, you're he comes, a little bit, come up to my waist. I was going to say, you're a little taller than he is. <laughs> you're a little taller than I am, but that's not difficult either. So, but I'm, you know, One of my favourite things, I always think about Zac Efron, and I, mm-hmm. I've got a huge amount of time for him. I think he's a fantastic actor. But I always look at him and I think, right, you're two centimetres shorter than I am. Right. And that's the only thing I've got over him. Outside of that, <laughs> I think he's annoyingly good. Oh. But there we go. Different matter altogether. Um, rejection must be difficult, though, because you kind of get that note going you weren't successful yes unfortunately you don't even get that note do you not these days you you throw yourself into it and then you sit on your hands and wait and wait and wait and wait and sometimes you get nothing back not even a a, my my union equity is really trying to do a yes no yeah simple yes no if you can go if if the casting uh, directors and and then their staff can actually send out all the all the all the invitations to come in and, and, and audition then surely there there is uh, a system in there yeah. of, of, a, of a template email that just says thank you very much, but on this occasion no, you're not That's successful. What, so you know what's going. Otherwise, you're sitting there thinking, well, is it going to happen? Yeah. You know, it's not due to be filmed for another three months. Have I got it? Can I do anything else? Because I really would like to do this part, yeah. and I want to keep the the month of April free or whatever. Yeah, you can't. It's, it's, it's all up in the air. It's all up in the air. That must be quite unsettling to kind of like live every day going, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen next. It seems to be all my life I've done it. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, yeah, you're yeah. used to it now, I'm guessing. Yeah, I know, but it, it is a weird one still. Um, and uh, the rejection thing is something else. Hmm. That's something you really have to get your head around very, very early. Yeah. My daughter, my firstborn, um, fabulous actress, trained at Bristol Old Vic, beautiful actress on stage, did a bit of TV. She grew up with me uh, being, you know, 
effervescent and happy with that I've just got this wonderful part and then you know a month later I'd be down in my boots because yeah. I just lost a part that I really really wanted and I was utterly depressed about it yeah. so she grew up with the highs and lows but when it came for her, to her she couldn't actually cope with it Paul right. you know she just didn't like the 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 the, the, the not, not knowing the whole business of not knowing where the next penny's coming from yeah. of not knowing where your life's going to next she found that all much too much and then unfortunately gave it up what she's doing now is, is fabulous but um She's no longer in the theatre. It's great. But and I still it, use her when I have to do my self-tapes. This is something else we oh, were talking on. about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, when you need someone to read in. She's, mm. Because she's such a good actress, you know, I'll phone her up and go, Daisy, I've got this lovely script. Can you read in for me? Amazing. You know, so I have a really good actor on hand. So and she, my youngest daughter is equally talented actress, although she's not interested. She's a farmer. Um, right. But, she, you know, she's available to read in as well. And then I have a young son who's a fantastic cameraman, so he does the camera work. So I've got my own little crew. <laughs> so maybe you'll do a documentary one day and they'll all be around you and do, all doing the parts. You never know. You never know. Um, time for the news. When we come back, we're going to be talking much more about actually what you've done on screen. Okay. If you do have any questions, it's studio at radiobath.com or you can text Bath, followed by your message to 80011. <laughs> Let's jump in, Jack Flash. The Rolling Stones. Another chapter in your book, Pavel. Yep, chapter yeah. 18, that was. Chapter 18. What was the chapter about, then? Can you say... Oh, can Lord, I can't, I can't remember what chapter 18 was about, in particular. No. Um, the, 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 the thing that I wrote at the very beginning of the book is, uh, some of this is true. Okay. Now, that's quite interesting. That leaves it open. It which, which bits are true? Yeah. Well, I'm not telling you which bits are true, which bits I've made up. So some of it is true. Okay. Hmm. And this book is available in all good bookshops no, and no, some no, not ones as well? Oh, gosh, I wish it were at that it point. It's, you know, it's, 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 it very, not, it's not easy to write a book, but that's the easiest part. Yeah. The hardest part is getting it out there. Okay. You know, finding a publisher, you know. Have you thought about self-publishing? I, I, yes, I have. I've spoken to many people. Yeah. And, and, and I, know, I know people who have self-published. Yeah, a friend of mine does. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't really want to go down that route. Fair enough. No, it's, Fair it's enough. you know, it's not for you. Well, it's not that. It's just that you know, trying to keep all the balls in the air with 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 work and yeah. and staying you know and staying alive and, and and seeing one's children and doing all all those those things. Um, some, it's like having an agent. I mean, that you know, that's another thing that we haven't touched on, on. with young actors. You know, uh, it's so hard to represent yourself. Yeah. There is a spotlight, which is the, the, the it's an actor's um, tool, but you have to pay to be in it. But they will give you a, what's called a jobs feed if you don't have an agent. And you can look on that and, they, and you can apply yourself. Okay. But my goodness me, what a, what a, what a minefield that is if yeah. you, you know. That would be tough, wouldn't mm, it? Because you just mm. don't know what's suited for and then, you. And then, and then not only that, but then the negotiations, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they offer you a price and your agent goes, oh, I think he's worth more than that, mm. you know. And so you, you, they, they haggle for you. But I, I find it impossible to say, oh, I'm, I'm better than that. I want more. Thank yeah. you very much. You, know, you, you need some chutzpah to do that, I think. And that's the agent's job, isn't it? It's, yeah. I suppose a th- it's a bit like a good accountant should pay their own fees because they're saving you money. 
that principle behind wish. that. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, I have a very good accountant. I'd like to point that out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's kind of an agent. They they theoretically should pay their own fees because they're generating more more money mm. in the in the first place. That's, I think, the theory behind it. But yeah, it doesn't quite work that no, way. It yeah. doesn't, does it? They just take the money. But there we go. And we're going to talk about some of your roles that you've had then. Okay. So we're going to go way back to, to Ooh, James Bond. We're going back well, to James Bond. Well, that's not very far back. Is it not? Go on. No, no, no. It's I mean, the 80s, isn't it? Yeah, no. I could go back much, much further than that. I mean, go back to shoestring. Okay, go on. Well, no, I'm just saying. I've oh, been, okay. <laughs> we'll be here till four yeah, o'clock this afternoon. There's a, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of work, though. I mean, if you've been doing it for that many years. So who were you in Goldeneye, then? In Goldeneye, I was um, a French warship commander. Hmm. So I was down in... I, very lovely. I had a week in filming in Monte Carlo um, on this brand-new, state-of-the-art um, uh, French frigate. Right. Nuclear-powered French frigate with Exocet missiles. Okay. And the whole bit. And, and it, was, it was great fun. Great, great fun. Um, uh, obviously, when you're in uniform, um, the actual sailors who work on the ship, mm. it, was, it was a function, functioning frigate. It wasn't as though it was just parked there okay. and we were allowed to use it. They, you know, it was, it was on standby, but we were still using it. Yeah. Um, so everywhere you went, I went on deck, you know, I, had, I was being saluted. <laughs> Because the guys they don't they don't they don't see the man they see the they see the pips yeah. they see the badges you know they see the and, and and as far as they were concerned I was an amazingly high ranking officer so people were saluting like mad everywhere I went yeah um, but it was great to be on on, on, a, on a it's great to be on a Bond film I have to say ladies and gentlemen if you have an ambition make it to be in a Bond film it was uh, you know when I was a boy I was desperate to be James Bond we I think we were all of course every boy wanted yeah. to be James Bond. Um, but I, no, we, no, this is the closest I've got to being James Bond. So why was it so good being on a James Bond film set then? Well, because first of all, it's a, a renowned uh, franchise. I mean, mm. it's it's you know it's huge. It's and it's a it's a global mark now. It's been going on for so many years. And once you, funnily enough, this is something interesting. Once you've been involved, you are still very much part of the Bond family. Mm. You know, I get invited to do. Um, uh, autograph signings and you know launches and stuff like that as yeah. part you know as part of the Bond group and then you'll meet other actors from Bond films some of them now very old hmm. who were in you know so, you know some Bond girls who were in in way way back they're still there they're looking still looking marvelous <laughs> thanks to a little bit of work. Um, uh, Are you stating that they've had some surgery done? No, no, no. No, you would um, never suggest that. No. no. Um, the fact that faces can't move is going to do it. No, but but but, but uh, yeah. So you're part of the Bond family, and it's great, and uh, and and you're tr- really well looked after. I have to say, it's it's a it's a big enterprise. I'm guessing, depending on the the budget that there is for the production that you're on, mm. the behind the scenes would be quite different. Oh yes. <laughs> so I'm guessing Bond would be quite close to the top of that. It's very close to the top of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I probably imagine that. Hollywood is even higher than that, you mm. know. but um, you don't do it for that. You really do it just for the joy of of of, of being the character. That's it's that's that's for me is the the, the, the thing. I, I I love it's and every every part that you play in you know, some funny sort of a way. It's a bit like time travel, you know. Especially if you do stuff uh, a period drama. Yeah. To be you know, but in in the moments between action and cut on any on any scene, you're you're aware, of course, of all the technicians and the, and the booms and the lights and the camera and where the cameras are, because these are all very important things to know about, mm-hmm. so that you don't look down the lens by mistake, and so that you you know you're properly heard and all the rest of it. 
But in the moment of actually doing it, all that disappears, and you are in the moment. Yeah. You know? I, I think I, I mentioned to you I did um, uh, Prince Caspian and the Voyage of the Dawn yeah. Treader for, for Narnia, for BBC some years ago. Um, and we filmed it all in around Bristol because it was, it was done... Um, uh, was it HTV? I can't remember if it was HTV or BBC. Never mind. Um, um, and uh, I, I was... At one scene, I remember I was knighted by a prince dressed in gold armour. Wow. In a hall full of smoke and, and horses. And, and you know, actually, for a moment, it just felt so real. Yeah. You know, I could have been there. In fact, I was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. You know, or another one I did, Robin of Sherwood, I think, and then you're being asked to, to ride through, through, the, through the woods, you know, on a huge horse with a crossbow in one hand, you know, and, and, a, and a cloak flowing behind you. Jumping over little streams, they they lit fires and there was smoke and everything. And you come and you, they, they are lots of cameras, obviously to see the see the chase yeah, through yeah. the woods. And then you got a voice through a megaphone going, "Oh, it's great! Can we go again?" And you go, "Yes, please! Can we just do, <laughs> keep doing this all day?" I'm guessing you can ride pretty well then. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, where did you learn to ride then? Uh, I just as a boy, I, I was I was fostered a lot as a child, and I was fostered on farms in Scotland. Right. And they had horses. Um, they were actually they weren't horses; they were pit ponies that had been given a second life. Okay. So I had a pit pony called Tyree. He was a, a, of a matted ginger horse, but he, having spent his entire life underground pulling uh, trucks, you know, in, in the mine. Yeah. He was to be out, you know, in the fresh air and fields. He was, and he was a joy to ride because he just suddenly went. <gasps> Oh, this is being a horse, you yeah. know, not, not being stuck underground. So my daughter goes, um, she has horse riding lessons. Or yeah. She's on a pony at the moment. So, yep. of course, she's eight years old. And bless her, I went to watch her the other week. And she was on a pony that was just a little bit too big for her. Right. So no matter what instructions she gave the pony, it didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just there, like, trying to do stuff and move her body in a certain no. way. And nothing no. happened. Um, any tips for people that want to ride a pony or a horse? Um... Get to know it first. Okay. Yeah, really get to know it. Don't just just walk up and get on it. Talk to it. You know, stroke, oh. stroke it. Talk to it. Say it's all right. You're good. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on you now. And uh, you know, and so that they 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 know that it's that person. Yeah. Not, animals aren't stupid. You know, they have they have inherent understanding, um, and they know that that person is going to get on their on their back, and they might be a bit more sympathetic. Yeah. Now you had the moment where you were playing. Is it two lords at once? Yes. Am I right in yes. thinking about that? So you you were in Lovejoy, which L- I used to love Lovejoy. Yeah. And so scaringly, I used to watch that program all the time. I would have watched you on TV, obviously yep. not knowing we were going to have this moment now. How many years, years ago, ago was that? Well, 30, 30 it's got to be eighties, hasn't it? So we've got yes, to be thirty, well, the f- 30 oh, yeah, years um, ago. Why do I, am I asking you? Uh, the first series we did, I think, was eighty-five. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember how many episodes there were. And then there was a problem uh, where producers and, and uh, people fell out with, with other production companies. Okay. I have no idea what it was all about. Um, so it seemed to stop. And it was off air for some years. And hmm. then it came back, uh, fortunately. And we, we all came back with it, which was lovely. But, um, um, so, but at the, during that time, then I got, uh, I got uh, another uh, lord in a, uh, a long-running soap opera in Paris, shot in Paris, called Riviera. Right. Um, and it was the first sort of Euro soap. That's to say that it had actors from Italy, France, Germany, okay. Austria, England, usually a, a pair from each. Um, and, we, you know, and then we all lived uh, down on, on, the, on the south of France, uh, in near Saint-Tropez, and uh, I was married to an, uh, uh, an heiress, uh, you know, and basically I spent her money, um, just as I was 
you know, the money in, in Lovejoy was mine, and my wife got the money. But in the right. other way, in the other show, it's the other way around. But I used to had a wonderful time in that. In sometimes I was doing both parts at the same time, so I'd finish filming in Paris in the day and catch the last flight out of Charles de Gaulle to Stansted Airport, where the unit base was in Stansted. We were filming in Suffolk area. Okay, and. Um, then get up next morning and be the, the other lord and then finish that filming and get a plane and fly back and be the other lord. So yeah. I had to try and disassociate the two lords. So I made one flippant and one quite serious. So you changed the character. Was it your choice to kind of make those characters yeah. that yeah. way? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, as you say, you might kind of flip into they're, the other characters. blur and, you know, you end up playing the same person, you know. I mean, people go, oh, well, it's always you. Of course it's always you. You know, you're not going to change your, your face that much unless you go for prosthetics and the rest of it. But yeah. An actor's toolbox is is a question of having, you know, 20 tools, let's just say, many more, but let's just, for the want of argument, 20 tools, and it's how you arrange those tools and which tools you use to make the character that you are. Yeah, you know. and your experience will mean that you now know which ones you should do at a certain point. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, as you were going through your experiences, you'd have learnt those yeah. lessons. Well, for example, you know, the way you dress. One would dress in a particular way and the other one would not, not dress that way. Yeah. Um, Beryl Reed used to always say, um, always start with the shoes if you want to build a character. Okay. Because they affect the way you walk, the way you think, you look down at your shoes, are they scuffed, are they smart, are they pointed, are they blunt, are they high, are they low? Yeah. It affects your physiognomy. As a dancer, you will understand that, yeah, how, how, in how you hold yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, so Beryl used to say, always start with the shoes. So you make sure that the shoes are very particular to the character. <laughs> now, you're also in Doctors. Doctors was great. Tell me why Doctors was great, then. Doctors was great, particularly for me, because the storyline was fantastic. And I remember saying to the producer, that when, when, when I went up for it, I went, you sure this is suitable for daytime television? Wow. And they said, yes, well, we want to try something a bit more edgy. Um, and I played uh, a very high-ranking police officer in, in, in the, the, the area where, where is it? I can't remember the name of the, is it Lethbridge? I think it's Lethbridge. Um, a very high-ranking police officer, a, a superintendent, hmm. you know, um, who had a strange proclivity for, um, uh, how should I put it, on, on uh, this morning, this, this early on the radio. We're on daytime, uh, remember? Yeah, murdering whores. Okay, lovely. Yeah, he'd have a he'd have a uh, he'd have a bonk, and then he'd decide to to murder them, and because of his position, he was able to shuffle off the guilt to other people. You know, okay, um, until it eventually caught up with him. I can talk about this because it's aired a long time ago. Yes, um, and we won a soap award, right? And we won a soap award for best single episode for 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 the last episode where I get my collar felt, right? Um, and we also won a uh, what's it called? Um, it's not a BAFTA, it's a... a oh, gosh, I'll have to, I can't remember now, off the top That's of That's okay. Head. Another award, British, in the Mid Midlands, um, another t TV award. Yeah. To, but it was such a wonderful character to play because you couldn't give it away. I couldn't give it away that I was the baddie until the very last episode when I imagined people going, no, no! don't go into his house, it's him, yeah. it's him, you must... You know, of course, and then dear, lovely, wonderful Diane Keane who played uh, my... my counterpart in that my love interest right uh, and she did come to my house and i did try and strangle her <sighs> and then ronnie uh, saved her life and knocked me out and thank mercy for ronnie thank mercy for ronnie indeed yeah, yeah. so last question i got on this really is going to those awards i i kind of look at it sometimes and 
And you wonder how much it means to people mm. to get awards. And I kind of get the impression some people like, oh, it, we don't care. And other people like, this is the most important thing in the world to me. Where do you sit on that? It's then? not the most important thing, but it's great to be honoured by your peers. Yeah. That's the thing, you know. Um, <sighs> the applause that you get in theatre is, 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 is a wonderful thing. Um, and I always, and I'm, I'm always very grateful for that. Hmm. Because you know, you think, oh my God, you know, they, they they think I've done a good enough job, and people don't applaud out of politeness. If if it's if it's rubbish, that you know, they go, well, you know, or they'll all, you know, yeah. I've I've left at the interval of, of plays I've gone to. I just couldn't stand watching another <laughs> half an hour of it. Um, so if people stay to the end and they applaud, so it's very much similar thing. The, the awards. I know there seem to be an awful lot of awards ceremonies, and people will go, "Oh, you all right, you actors, you're always, you know, patting yourselves on the back." Yeah. Well, that's not true. You know, I mean, I've had a f- fifty years in the business, but I've only been awarded twice. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's very nice to to get an award, and so it's nice to be uh, thought of that you were actually good at what you do. And you are, because otherwise you wouldn't still be doing it. Well, I might be just bullshitting. <laughs> Apologies for the swearing. Um, sorry, 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 sorry. That's okay, not a problem at all. Um, we're going to talk about the theatre. Yep. We're have another little break for music. And we're going to talk about the theatre mm-hmm. when you come back, because there's so much you've done in the theatre as well. Back with Pavel very, very shortly. Love that track. Tom Walker, Just You and I. Back with Pavel then. Pavel Douglas, actor, stand-up comedian. Voiceover. Voiceover artist. Writer. Go on, keep going. Idiot. Idiot. (laughs) Absolutely. And amazing, as I've said, twice at least. Ah. We're going to talk about the theatre. Now, the theatre to me is very dear. I was very fortunate to go and see... Well, not fortunate, I paid my tickets, but um, to go and see Brian Connolly, I believe it's Brian Connolly, in Panto at Bristol Hippodrome a a couple of years ago. And at the very end, he said something which still is dear to my heart. And he said, thank you to everybody that's out there. You've paid your hard-earned money to watch... Watch us come on stage and do what we do and hopefully entertain you. And it's a privilege for us to be on stage. And that has always kind of, you know, kind of sunk deep with me. Because when I'm out there teaching and I'm up on stage and people have paid their money, paid for a babysitter to come out, I feel privileged that people Mm. are going to listen to a word that I'm saying in regarding when I'm teaching. How do you feel when you're on stage? I I concur completely with what Brian said. Um, if I may, my own anecdote of that yeah, is that uh, during the COVID period, again, if we go back to that, there, you know, in the period between lockdowns, um, I was invited to do a play up in Stroud for the Stroud Theatre Festival, which we did in the tram shed, which is next to the station. Um, and it was packed, every perform- as packed as it could be, considering they had to put the chairs two metres apart. Yeah. And the lights were on all the, all the way through and people sat in their, in their overcoats with masks on. But the the queue was round the block in the pouring rain, and people were so desperate for live theatre. This is pe- people forget this, you know. Yeah. If you like theatre, then you will you are desperate for it, and you are desperate for that that contact, that communication that can only happen between two live people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can watch TV and listen to the radio, and those are very pleasant things to do. But some, there's something magical about actually being in a room full of other people, experiencing an emotion yeah. all together. And after every performance there was usually this moment of calm before before the applause we would applaud the audience Hmm. and i remember making a little speech one night saying how privileged we felt that you people had come to see us you know and it was a wonderful wonderful feeling 
Yeah. No, it's it, the theatre is it's so live and real. And I know it's a really strange thing to say, but it's almost like the smell of it as well. It's it's just different. TV is cold in that regard. The roar of the grease paint and the smell of the crowd. Yeah, you can just <laughs> you can just smell it and feel yeah. it a little bit more for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and you can feel the emotions. Like, certainly, like we were talking off air about the fact that I judge dancing, and quite often, if I'm I'm standing up on the stage looking over, I can see the mm. kind of what everybody's doing, and I get a bird's eye view of it. Um, however, if I'm down on the floor, I can feel them. Yeah. And I certainly like to be in the stalls, for instance, when I go to the theatre, because I can feel the actors much, much more. Oh, I don't feel me, love. <laughs> <laughs> no, but from the, the obvious thing is that when you're behind the curtain waiting, you know, if, mm. it, if it's a traditional theatre with a curtain, you're behind the theatre and it's all, there's the hubbub yeah. of the audience, and the rustling of crisp packets and the drinks and the things, and the, and the excitement that you can... That you can yeah. It's palpable. And then it all just... Goes quiet and you go. Uh oh, <laughs> it's my turn now. The lights go down, <laughs> but you don't even see the lights going down. You know the house lights go down. But yeah, you're, you're right. but it's just that that wonderful fade that you get. It's not an instant mm. quiet. It goes. Oh. Yeah, and then it, and the show. So starts. what's that feeling like for you being backstage, mm. ready to go on? I know you mentioned a one man show earlier, but mm. think about if you're in a, an actual theatre production, there's people around you. Kind of what is that atmosphere like just before you go on? Where's the nearest loo? Um, There's that's often that. Yeah. Um, you you always check your flies. Yeah. Because it's very easy just to go on stage with your flies open. It's not a good. It's not a good look. No. Um, no. Uh, there, there is a. Uh, it's a mixture of excitement and trepidation. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that theory of you know if you're not feeling nervous it doesn't matter anymore and it's time to stop. Oh no no no! I'm, I'm good lord! And every actor I speak to is always nervous, terribly yeah. nervous. Um, I mean. I was going back to Goldeneye very, very briefly, mm. uh, t- talking to Piers one night in the, in the bar, and he was saying that uh, how he was so nervous working with Judy Dench because right. she was such a you know a yeah. great, you know he was the, the number one in the movie, but she was a great, great you know English starlet actress, yeah. and he a felt national r- treasure, a national treasure. He felt immensely nervous, right, until he spoke to her, and she told him that she felt immensely nervous. <laughs> working with him oh. and he suddenly felt better so uh, are there certain actors you've kind of worked with multiple times i suppose and you get that relationship with them no but you 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 do you do t- tend to stay friends yeah you know particularly if you've been you know had had intimate uh, not necessarily physically intimate but emotionally intimate work to, to do together you yeah. do stay friends um uh, it was a lovely thing that happened I can't remember, a couple of years ago, um, when uh, my wife from Lovejoy was in a play at the Ustinov. And my wife from a film I'd done not long before was uh, in a play in the main house called The Price. Okay. Um, and one evening, I, I and my real wife uh, went out with my two <laughs> screen wives and... We- <laughs> we went out for supper together, and then there I am sitting with three wives. It's wonderful. Well, there we go. And you know, you are you are the, that man. That's <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Um, you've been a member of the National Theatre Company natural, here in Bath. Natural theatre. Natural. Natural theatre. Yes. Sorry, I, did you say national? No. Oh, I thought you said national because no. so many people do. Oh, okay. You go. Oh, you're nat- you're in the National Theatre. I wish I were in the National Theatre, but it's, no. No, it's natural theatre. Yes, the natural theatre. The natural theatre, which has been going for fifty-two years. Wow. Um, 
And under, I remember when Ralph Oswick, many, many of your listeners will, will remember Ralph. Um, he's also known as Lady Margaret. Uh, he's at the opening of every envelope in town, okay. um, cutting, the, cutting the ribbon. But um, his, his thing that used to say that we had taken uh, theatre to more people than any other theatre company in the world. Yeah. And it was very true because we had, with naturals at one time, again, it's not since Brexit. Mm, there I mentioned that word. Mm. I'm sorry if I'm swearing again. Okay. Um, but we don't tour uh, uh, internationally in the way that we used to. But we have toured internationally. Yeah. Australia, Japan, far, far flung bits of Russia, you know, Turkmenistan, South America, um, North America, you know, yeah. uh, above the Arctic Circle. You know, um, been everywhere, been everywhere with the company, and we have performed to hundreds of thousands of people. So, what happens when you're outdoors? Of course, you don't mm. have the restrictions of only a hundred seater theatre. No. Now, if you had to choose mm. between acting in films or TV yeah. or being on the theatre, yeah. which one would it be? I could answer that immediately, very, very easily. I would. Um, I love acting in film, right? And I love directing theatre. Okay. So you love the directing side of... Th- yeah. The, the, the whole business of performing theatre, you know, again, if you're a young actor, great, do, do as much theatre as you can while you're young and before you have a family, yeah. before you have responsibilities and bills to pay. Because theatre doesn't pay. No. It really doesn't. It, it very much is, is, is you, you know, I mean, none of us do it for the love. We do it, we do it for, the, for the income, sadly. Of course you do it for the love as well. Yes. But... I remember when I, when I was young and, 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 and footloose um, and without children, you could do theatre you because you're away from home. You're yeah. touring, you know, you're, you're, and you're packing your bags every week and moving to another rep theatre, you know, in the, in the days when we used to do touring, more touring theatre. Um, then you grow up and you have children and you have bills to pay. And unfortunately, you know, unless you've got a film in the bank yeah. or, or a TV series or a commercial that you've done that can, you know, yeah. you've got some, something to fall back on. Because you also have your bills to pay at home. You know, it's not like one set of bills. It's two sets of bills involved. There's all the usual stuff at home that you're paying for, all the standing orders and, and all the rest of it, and keeping the fridge full for your kids. And then there's looking after yourself while you're on, yeah. on tour, paying for your digs, you know, eating out in, in, in restaurants. Cause and your agent, of course. Yeah. There is a sliding scale. They, they, cha- they, they charge you less for theatre than they do for, oh. for film and commercials. Well, that's all good. Mm. Um, now, every guest that comes on has to do the quick fire round, and you're no exception. And I know Whoa. time's running very, very shortly. So, yeah. short, I should say. So, uh, we're going to have a break for one track, okay. and then you're back. Oof. So, everybody gets notification about what the first question is. So, right. you can have a think about this about what is going to be uh-huh. Pavel Douglas's favourite ice cream. So, we're going to be finding out right after this. This is. This is. Radio Bath. And there is Selfish by Justin Timberlake here on Radio Bath. It's time for the last link then with the lovely Pavel Douglas. Oh, it's lovely now. Have you noticed it's moved from amazing to lovely? I think lovely is still a really good thing to describe you as. So as I've got to know you, you are still amazing, but you're also lovely. Oh, so so sweet. Thank you. There we go. Right. We've got a bromance going on here, dear listener. Right. Here we go. Quick fire round then. Everybody gets this. 11 random questions. Okay. You don't know what these are, apart from the first one, which is, what is your favourite ice cream? Raspberry. Nobody's answered raspberry before. It's new. Why raspberry? Actually, I love raspberries. Okay. I think it's it's, it's the king of fruit. Right. 
can I be honest? Yeah. I don't like raspberries. Yeah. I find that all the seeds get in my teeth and I find oh. it irritating. Oh. Uh, yeah. But raspberries. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Are you tidy or messy? Tidy. I, do you know what? I knew that answer before I even asked it. <laughs> I can just tell by whole appearance and how you are. You are a tidy person. You know they say about uh, the, how to load a dishwasher, you know. The, you, yeah. You're, you're either a Swedish architect or a chimpanzee on LSD. Okay. And how you, and how you pack it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely the Swedish architect. Everything goes in its exact... Well, you know, because make use of it properly. Otherwise, bits don't get washed. Fair enough. <clears throat> Love or hate roller coasters? Hate. Why? Uh, I've never been a fan of, of fun fairs. The only thing I go on on fun fairs and nice to take my children and uh, was the dodgems. Okay, uh, but all the all the stuff about being spun around. I mean, I would have been rubbish in the in the space program. All that mm. centrifugal stuff that they put you into. Yeah, you know, there would have been vomit all over everything. Uh, I think. No, I don't do roller coasters. Fair enough. Now, the only thing I'm going to say is mm. that I've a couple of years ago we went to Tenerife. And there is a place there called Siam Park, mm-hmm. okay, which is a water park. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have the flumes in swimming pools and stuff. Yeah, yeah. These are flumes that are out of this world in regards. You are sat in four people buggies or um, four people dinghies quite right. often. And they are enormous, as in you would go up vertically and all sorts. So Ooh. it's like a w- roller coaster on water. Right. And, uh, but it's not sicky in any way, shape or form. So that's the nice thing about okay. it. And it's nice weather. But there we go. Right. Important questions now. Do you hang your toilet roll over the top or behind the back? Over the top. Why? Because it just comes at you. It's easier than having to fumble around the back and pull it down. (laughs) I'm loving the actions, by the way. It's like... (laughs) The fingers are out. He's picturing his toilet and taking the toilet roll down. What I don't like is when they... Funnily enough, uh, in hotels, when they they fold it into a little V and you go... Yes, but I'm going to disturb that now. I mean, it's, you know, um, I I don't know if I'm, a, you know, what's the word? Uh, I can't remember the word, but you know, then I, I feel that after I've used it, I should fold it back into a little V. Oh, okay. I don't do. I don't. You don't do no. that. No, you don't leave the hotel with a V no. shape. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, do you eat your chocolate from the fridge or from the cupboard? From the cupboard. From the cupboard. Why the cupboard then? Um, I think when you when it's very very cold. It loses its flavour. Okay. And I've, my newest way of eating chocolate is drinking it. Right. Now, how to make proper hot chocolate. Go you on. get 75% uh, dark chocolate. Okay. And you break it up into a, a, a pan containing your, your, your mug of milk. And you just stir it until the chocolate dissolves. Okay. And it is fabulous way of eating chocolate and it releases all the flavonoids and it's much better for you i have never tried that, Try that. i will be trying that don't, so use, don't use cocoa powder and, and you don't need extra sugar or anything just right. just milk and broken up chocolate milk and 75 percent dark yeah. chocolate and you can use what three four squares of, of yeah, chocolate yeah. And break it up put it in and let it dissolve i will be trying that Try later that. on today I, I think i know the answer to this question do you make your bed in the morning yes why because I like to come back when it's and it's made, rather than come back and go, ugh, that's a mess. And the follow-up question to this is always, do you have any cushions on your bed? Um, you know, all all those cushions. I, I've, at the moment, I've got two spare pillows, because they've right. got very nice uh, pillowcases, and they're just on top of the bed, and I always throw them off. Yeah. Um, but no, not generally I don't do all the, the you know, the, the 25 cushions. No. no. We have six cushions on our bed, and every morning they get put on, and... Every night they get thrown on the floor. Yes, what are they for? Apparently, if you want to sit up in bed, it's nice to have the cushions there. Yeah. So that's that's the theory behind Fair it. Enough. But uh, and it looks pretty. <laughs> that's the other theory behind it. Uh, what is your favourite breakfast? My favourite breakfast. Do you know what I've just started? Uh, my son's uh, turned me on to kombucha. Okay. 
Uh, and it's a really great way of getting your microbiome going in your tummy. So I have that first, long before I eat anything. Uh, I'm not a very big breakfast uh, person. I, I prefer uh, brunch. Yep. I'm a dinner person. I have, you know, always make sure I have dinner. Okay. Because uh, you can't necessarily have a glass of red wine with breakfast, but you can with dinner. Um, I've had bre- red wine many times at breakfast. <laughs> That's a different issue we don't talk about but, live. No, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I like, uh, you know, if I'm going to have a bit of scrambled egg on toast ah. or, or a bit of, you know, a bit of really good, good quality muesli. Fair enough. Uh, what is your go-to, if you had to do mm. it, your go-to karaoke song? Um, I do I do like a virgin, but done as Arthur Mullard. I like a virgin, kissed for a very first time. <laughs> uh, now, I know this is radio and you can't right. see Pavel here, but he literally just went straight into character. <laughs> there was no messing, just straight there. Sounded absolutely fantastic. Really hard one for you, this one, right. okay? Favourite TV programme or film? And it doesn't have to be something you've done yourself, so something you may have watched. Okay, I loved uh, Call My Agent. Right. I know because it was probably about my industry, but it was very, very funny, and it featured some of the great uh, film stars. I also love Inspector Montalbano. Okay, I've watched neither of these. Commissario Montalbano. He's he's, he's in Sicily, and he he solves crimes. But again, it's a wonderful series because Italy is stuffed with really, really good older actors. Yeah. And you watch these people at work, and you think, my goodness me, you're good, you know. But it's a great, and it's also the the Sicilian countryside, which is beautiful. So that's that's pretty good. I love those two. Amazing. Right, two questions to go, then. If you came back in your next life as an animal, which one would you be, and why? As an animal? As an animal, yes. You can include birds in that, by the way. Okay. Um... I'm currently renting uh, uh, with a friend of mine who, and she has an uh, extraordinary Siamese cat. Okay. Um, and Siamese cats, I've, I've never really known a Siamese cat, but he, a Siamese are more like dogs than cats. This this cat plays fetch. You, 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 wow. You, okay. You, know, you throw a paper ball and he'll run and pick it up and bring it and drop it at your feet. And he's also incredibly well looked after. Yeah. So I think if I were going to be a, a really cosseted cat, I'd be a cat. A cat is the favourite answer. But, okay, but a Siamese cat is a very Siamese specific. Cat, very, I very like pre- that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very mm. good. And your last question then, mm. Pavel. Where is your happy place? Where is my happy place? Yeah. <sighs> oh, gosh. Where have you gone to right now? Do you know the, the happiest place I've ever... That I, remember distinctly was when I took my children, my first children, when they were very little, um, and I took them on holiday to Turkey. Um, and every morning we, we, we were told about a, a little, little tiny little um, uh, beach that you could go to that had a restaurant. It was inaccessible by land, but you had to go by boat. Okay. So every morning we'd get on this boat, and I'd sit on the prow of the boat with my one foot dangling in the water, and the blue blue sky and the sun up above and the spray in my face as we skimmed across the Aegean Sea and I just felt really happy there and I thought if if death could be this I'd be really happy to die because just sitting on the prow of a boat skimming across the Aegean Sounds like an amazing place to be in. But as far as other happy places, then you, you, you grab them where you can find them, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, Pavel, thank you so much for coming in today. Really appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have. It's been a great pleasure. It's, thank you. Um, you've been amazing to talk to. I could literally talk to you for hours. Um, I hope all the casting stuff you've got coming up today goes all right. Mm, yep. Enjoy your trip to London. Thank you. I know you've got to go and jump on a train. Jump on a so, train. Indeed. Yeah, indeed so. So uh, thank you, Pavel. And we'll see you again, no doubt, very, thank very, very soon. Thank you very much. And thank you all out there.